0: The story of Hagar is one that Old Testament scholar Phyllis Tribble refers to as a text of terror. And it is a terrible story. Not only do we find Hagar in a frightening place, but it does no credit to either Abraham or Sarah. Now the backstory story is that Sarah and Abraham have been promised, I will make of you a great nation. But there is no sign of even one child. Time is running out, and Sarah really has despaired of having her own baby, so she begins to come up with a plan. She puts Hagar in Abraham's bed, and Ishmael is born. But what of Hagar? Does anyone ask Hagar whether this is something she wants? She's a slave. No choice. The victim with no voice. Not Now that she's no longer needed, because Sarah and Abraham do eventually have their own child, she's just thrown out and sent away. A skin of water and a loaf of bread. What way is that to treat this woman? What did she do to deserve this? One of my definitions of sin is that it's something that hurts innocent people. We all do that to some extent without thinking of what effect our decisions, our actions are going to have on those around us. We do things that really are harmful to someone else. You know, some years ago there was a public service ad that was aimed toward uh, drug users. And the kid says, well, I'm not hurting anyone else. But then the ad traces that personal choice back to the violence of the drug trade and shows that indeed it does hurt someone else. What we do has a ripple effect upon those who are around us, and without even intending it, there are times when we can be very destructive. I wonder if the folk who make such a strong support of the right to bear arms no matter what have any sense of the way in which that really impacts other people. Because the law that gives that privilege means that some nut with a gun can shoot a whole class of kindergartners, a baseball team of congressmen, the list goes on and on. Where's the sense of responsibility for other people? You can make your own list of the ways in which personal choice or self-interest can create innocent victims. And even more, be honest about the ways in which your own choices have impacted those around you? In what way have you hurt others with your decisions, intentionally or, more likely, unintentionally, without thinking it through? What effect have you had upon someone else that way? Well, deserted in the hot, dry desert. Hagar and Ishmael have used up the very few resources that Abraham provided one skin of water and a little bit of bread. What kind of provision is that? It was a desperate time, and Hagar just couldn't bear to watch what was going to happen to her son. But then suddenly the story shifts, and rather than hear the voice of Hagar, we hear the voice of Ishmael. Because until now, he's been silent. But suddenly Ishmael cries out for his mother and for himself. And it's then that God hears. Do you ever have times when you think, well, what's the use? There's nothing I can do. Well, cry out. Now, as you know, I live in Delaware, which is an even smaller state than Maryland. And I have to tell you that one of the joys of that is that if five people write a letter to their congressman, wow, this is a big demand. You get heard. (laughs) Well, cry out, because the chances are you will be heard. It may take a few more voices here than it does in Delaware, but cry out. And weeping isn't enough. When there is need, when there is victimization, we need to cry out. And you know that the world is full of places like that broken cities, more refugee camps than any of us want to know about, jails that are overcrowded, shanty towns, shelters. Cry out. Cry out for the outcast, the homeless, the oppressed, the uninsured. Cry out for the victims of our society and for the world. Because Hagar weeps. But when Ishmael's voice is added to that, God hears the cry of the boy. Is there something about crying out for others that brings them up before God? Is that part of our partnership with God? Does God want us to somehow share in the healing of the world? And do we need to cry out so that we recognize that we are needed? I suspect that God counts on us to be partners in the healing of the world. God hears the cry of the boy, and God speaks to Hagar. Even as God has spoken to Abraham now, God speaks to Hagar, the Egyptian, the slave, the outsider, the outcast. God speaks. What does God say? Do not be afraid. Come, lift up the boy and hold him fast for your hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Yes, it is from Abraham's other son, Isaac, that the story of God's people will come, but also Ishmael's going to have his own place. God kept the promise made to Hagar, for it's from Hagar and Ishmael that the prophet Mohammed. Muhammad traced his lineage. And despite the very great differences between Judaism, Islam, and Christianity, we need to remember that we really are, all of us, children of Abraham. Well, the promise has been made, and the story goes on. Then God opened Hagar's eyes, and she saw a well of water, clean, fresh, life-giving water in the barren desert, was it there all along? Had her grief and despair so blinded her that she failed to see the one thing she needed? The one thing that made the difference between life and death? No matter, it was enough. It wasn't the whole solution. And it took more than water to grow Ishmael into manhood and find him a wife. It wasn't the whole solution. But for now, that water was enough. Do you think God's solutions are all going to come in some complete package with no missing pieces? Got to tell you. It doesn't even come with instructions lots of times. More often, God's solution comes in bits and pieces, a little bit here, a little bit there. And then one day, our eyes are opened, and we see the resources that we had previously overlooked. We experiment. We test it out. We try a little bit, one step, then another And slowly, slowly God's solutions come. Perhaps something so simple and so necessary as a drink of water. There's indeed terror in this story of a mother and child abandoned. But you know, that's not where the story ends. It's only where it begins. Because the God who hears... Make sure that it ends with promise and with hope. So remember that in your own hard times. Remember, and look around you to see, where is the spring of water for me? It may not seem like very much, but it's a beginning. It's the first step. Others will follow. We can trust that. Amen.